everyone. Welcome to the Better People Podcast. I'm Margaret Yurick. And I'm Holly DePama. So Holly, it's almost the end of the year. I know it's insane. It's absolutely insane. Crazy. But what I love to do right at this time is really like reflect back. I think that's what the end of the year gives us is this great opportunity to think back. And I think because I personally just had COVID, I can't help but think back to mm. 2019, right? To the end, uh. to December 2019, before, before the world changed for all of us, mm. you know, where it was God. just a blip on the radar and, and you maybe heard about it, right? If, if you follow the news. So what are your thoughts? Like when you think yeah. back to 2019 and, and the end and, and what was coming, what occurred? Well, yeah, it's funny because if you think about if you think about that time, like the economy was insanely strong. Um, you know, the the business lines that you and I both run were crazy. And we always do a year in review for our board. And so looking at that was just this like, you know, I think I actually did break my arm for patting myself on the back so hard <laughs> after 2019. Um, and then, was, yeah. you know, and then so this sort of weirdness started to happen and then 2020 rolls around and some some places start closing. And I was actually, um, I had really expanded in 2019 into New York. Yeah. And I was in New York the day that the lawyer came in from New Rochelle on the train and people were kind of walking around New York like in this haze and I was I made my own hand sanitizer for the, for the subway. It was just, it was, it was surreal. And I remember I was speaking at one of my clients board meetings and somebody said, you know, I I was about to, to speak and somebody said, can we just talk a little bit? Are, Are you like prepared if this happens? And you know, that, that, and they were like, oh yeah, 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 yeah. You know, the, it was almost like, oh, we're fine. And we we had no idea what was happening. Um, and I I hearken back to that time. And I, 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 we were at this precipice of so much change for everyone and particularly HR leaders, right? Like HR leaders, man, they, they caught the brunt. Um, and Absolutely. and kids, of course, but let's not go there. Um, so imagine, imagine being an HR leader and starting a brand new job with essentially a brand new company with a thousand people right as this is happening. Yeah. With a brand new pandemic. Well, well like, uh, you know, I yeah. don't know that we all knew what a pandemic even really was other than, you know, oh. movies. Right. So, um, and I'm certainly, I, I'm not, I, I, I'm not trying to make light of this e- even a little bit. Um, this was a huge challenge for so many reasons, both per- personally and professionally. Um, but you know, focusing on the professional, I'm really excited to talk to our guest today, Becky O'Loughlin, who um, is the chief. Um, People Officer and Executive Vice President at Amplity Health. 
And she did just that. She started a, a job as the leader of human resources at an organization in December of 2019. And she, I'm looking forward to hearing sort of about her experiences and her look back. Um, and uh, I think it's going to be a great show. Hi, Becky. Thank you for joining us. Hello, Holly. Good to see you. Yeah, great to see you again. I um, I remember when we met and uh, it was at the HR Person of the Year Awards in 2022. And I showed up. I'd actually never been to the awards before. And I showed up and um, and you walked in the room and somebody was like, oh, there's Becky Laughlin. Laughlin. <laughs> like she's a rock star. You, and so much fun. You have to meet her. And um, I was thrilled to meet you and super obviously impressed with your previous HR Person of the Year Award standings. So um, thank you for joining, for agreeing to join us on our podcast today. And um, Becky is the Chief People Officer and EVP at Amplity Health. And um, you started at Amplity at a really interesting time. I did. Yeah. You want to tell us about that? Sure. Yeah. Well, first of all, thank you for having me. Um, I'll take the fun part of your introduction. The rock star piece I'm not so not so sure about, but that was a, it was a very fun evening. The team puts on uh, a great event for that. And it's a lot of fun to get that group of people together every year. Um, so yeah, so I appreciate it. Um, I did. I joined um, Amplity Health three years ago. So it was in December of 2019. And I got a two and a half months into the organization and the world changed, uh, which we all remember well. It's the, you know, where were you on you know, March 16th or whatever it was. Um, you know, we were, Amplity was going through changes. They had just established themselves as Amplity Health six months before I joined um, through a divestiture. So there were a number of things the organization had that were well established in terms of business process and, you know, operation, but there was a lot of things through the divestiture that needed to be reestablished. So, you know, as you can imagine, I came in, I wanted to assess what their needs were from a total people strategy, had a really great game plan, a lot of great momentum in those first two months of, of 2020. Um, and then March hit and it just kind of changed the dynamic of the whole of the organization. And, you know, important to say, you know, my background prior to Amplity Health, I worked for you know, large retail organization, you know, global, a lot of resources. And I was coming into an organization of about 2000 people, um, much different in terms of, you know, scale, much different in terms of, you know, budget and resources. So, you know, we're private equity held. Um, and so all of that was a learning and particularly in, in light of COVID and a few months later, George Floyd's murder, uh, another, you know, devastating event and one that as an organization, everyone felt compelled to respond to in some way. And I was in an organization that had nothing set up for communication, for um, engagement, nothing in terms of diversity, equity, and inclusion. So we were, you know, kind of baseline, um, you know, point zero <laughs> in terms of figuring that out. And so, you know, there's a lot that 
you know, we've done and that we had to do, you know, at that time um, in response to that. And I know, you, you know, your audience is, you know, really folks that work in smaller organizations and, you know, just really thinking about that and reflecting on the learnings I personally had, but then also thinking about what we were able to do and accomplish basically with no money, just out of, you know, kind of pure fierce spirit and intent and desire and passion to want to do the right thing and do it well. Um, you know, there was a lot that, uh, there's a lot we needed to do around that. And, and we did, you know, we had to, we had to, like everyone did, you know, that was, you know, quite a year for anyone that worked in any capacity and in, in an HR function in particular. Um, and there was a lot there that we had to, uh, had to contend with and lean into. Yeah. So Becky, Holly and I were talking at the beginning of the show about the opportunity that the year end presents you, right? And it's this opportunity to reflect back. And you already acknowledged, right, as you reflect back on what happened. So I'm just curious, with that reflection, what would you say are you most proud of? Like what is, because you talked about, right, you just had to do things, you had to get things done. When you look back on that, I guess, what's the one thing that makes you most proud? You know, I think of something, and it's not small, but it was, um, it signified done. So I remember, and at that time, and obviously this was a couple of years ago, certainly the work and the effort that we did there carried forward and that, you know, there was a lot of momentum around that and certainly laid the foundation for, you know, work that we'd done to follow. But at that time, I remember doing a survey for, you know, everyone was remote, like, how's everybody doing? And <laughs> It was just a quick survey to say, like, you know, how is this working? What else do you need? How do you feel? Can you be successful? Whatever. How do you think we, Amplity Health, are responding to, um, you know, to this crisis? And I remember the response for that question was through the roof. I mean, you know, it was whatever it was on a scale of one to 10, it was tens or, you know, one to five, it was fives. And, and the comments in the survey were, you know, so proud to work for this company. I remember reading the survey and it was the first one we did and thinking, wait, what have we actually done? And when I thought about it, all we had done was reach out and really engage on a very human level. Yeah. Um, and then honestly, that is that carries us through in everything we, that we do um, in the organization. And at that point in particular was so poignant to what was happening. And just that reflection of that's all people want. People just, you know, we're just all humans. We just don't want to do well. We want to show up every day and feel like we work in an environment where people care, genuinely care and want to interact with people and want to do the right thing. Um, and that's what that that moment was, you know, kind of in reflection. I often think back on that because I was really befuddled. I was really befuddled. I'm like, I don't really understand what we've done. Because in my mind, especially coming from such a large organization, it was always about these, you know, big programs and, you know, big communication and big deliverables that went out. And I don't know, you boil it down and people just want you to engage them um, for who they are and where they are. And that's so what Becky that was about. I I I love that because that is just being so human and not being policy driven or or you know somebody. But but how did that happen? Was it yeah. instinctual that your leaders knew to do that? Was it this is was it a plan? To, how did it how did it happen? I think it was a little bit of both. You know, there's um, you know one if I think about like some of the even just communications that we were crafting at that time, they were, 
they were like letters you'd write to a family member. And it was just, you know, we just from the, from the start, we're like this, we just got to write from our, like from our heart, like what we're thinking and feeling, what our intent is, you know, for the organization. Um, so it was a little bit of that. It was also a little, it was a plan. You know, we started to quickly pull things together. You know, like I said, we didn't really have anything um, to connect people at that point. There was there were no communication mechanisms. So really quickly, we put in place, you know, monthly all hands meetings that were very informal. You know, we kind of lean into um, formal informality or informal formality. Um, and, you know, these were just forums to get together to talk about things that were happening in the business, but the whole company to just join in big Q&A, all leaders would participate, everyone would, you know, kind of jump in. Um, we also started to put together, we had like a, it's like an employee newsletter or magazine, if you will. Um, and we didn't have anything like that. And it was very purposeful. It wasn't business updates. It was just about the team. And it was just, you know, recognition. It was highlighting, you know, certain events. It was, you know really kind of an engagement mechanism where people could share pictures, you know, a lot of folks that, you know, <laughs> all of our Zoom pictures working from home with our animals and our kids and, you know, whatever other chaos was happening at the time. Um, so we certainly uh, did that. And, you know, there was also, I would say, um, you know, from an engagement perspective, we did, when I joined the company, they had an annual engagement survey, they'd contracted with someone, um, but we quickly worked with that partner to do more um, frequent pulse checks. So we just kind of mm -hmm. shifted gears a little bit with that and then really leaned into the leaders to kind of have their own engagement plan and strategy with their teams. So working with the leaders to make sure that everyone was kind of following, you know, almost a certain formula. Again, it's not, not huge and scientific, nothing, you know, crazy, but just round tables, skip level meetings, you know, holding on to those one-on-ones, giving them, you know, just some like tips and, you know, sharing the memes and doing all of that at that point. And, and a lot of that we, you know, we still are still using and employing um, today, you know, those same kind of expectations are there um, in terms of company engagement and communication, but also at the, at the leader and manager level. I'm going to say something. I know you want to Holly, but real quick. <laughs> so what I'm hearing and, and I mean, it, it almost sounds like this, um, this, what happened, right? That you, what you had to react to, right? COVID and, and everything that it required an organization to do with a new organization like yours, it also gave you this opportunity to really create a neat culture, right? Yeah. Because by doing all of these things, um, you, you did, you created a culture that's really working for you now, it sounds like. There was, yes, absolutely. And, you know, one of the reasons I joined the organization was because they'd only been through the divestiture for, you know, a number of months. By the time I joined, they already had defined a set of values and put in place an engagement survey to, to test themselves against those values. I'm like, okay, this is obviously an organization that takes this seriously. But what it gave us the opportunity to do is create the proof points against the values we defined. So mm -hmm. to that point, it had been, what's the company direction and vision? Again, just from a timing perspective and where the company was, but it the way we engaged and again, kind of were able to create those proof points that, you know, it was almost a pressure tested. Like, okay, are, is this how you're really gonna show up? You put it, <laughs> you put the words in a poster or, you know, on the wall or on our, you know, internet, whatever. Um, but is this how we're actually going to to show up? Um, yeah, and we did. 
we did and we did yeah you know um one of the uh sort of challenges or not not challenges but sort of one of the um processes of an hr leader um is to gain the trust of the leadership team and the employees right and we had a recent guest on our show who talked about that 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 relationship build and and the time and how you putting in the effort for that it sounds like certainly in your case there wasn't time to to build that relationship and to um to sort of create that bond of trust it sounded you know to talk a little bit about that um you mm. know about how how did that how did that play into the challenges the the human capital challenges that were being the companies that your company was being faced with with a new leader in the space yeah that's a great question. I don't know if I've really thought much about that before. I think what comes to mind for me is one, there was such a need at that time. Like, I think that would be different if I, if, you know, Amplity Health was playing over right now, as opposed to at that particular point in time, because there was such a need for leadership in the people space. So I think that that trust was almost instantaneous because they were, everyone was just looking like somebody tell us what we're like, what, like, what should we do? How should we navigate this? What should it look like? So there was just a, I mean, it was a crisis in some ways and and a sense of urgency. And unfortunately we soon after um, March of 2020, we had to go through a period of reduction. Like we had to do a work through a reduction in force and similarly, like between the reaction to where what was happening and then to navigate through a reduction in force at that time. And we were, you know, full scale also trying to re remap our strategy, right? Like our, our business position at that point was, okay, so we have to make sure that we come out of this faster. So everything from a people perspective, but from a business strategy perspective, we were pulling forward all of our business strategies things that we had planned and had, you know, planned for and a three-year plan, you know, all of a sudden we're re, you know, remapping all of that. So um, I really think that the the element of trust was, you know, one, that leadership that was needed and having kind of the clarity, putting a plan in place, um, but also know, you know, knowing from a, from a business strategy perspective that we, we had to make sure it was tightly aligned and was working together. Um, and, you know, both, just had to happen um, at that point. Um, the other thing too, I mean, just want you, you said trust with the leadership team, but also trust with the organization. That's huge. Mm. You know, at the time that I joined, I just, I don't think um, it just hadn't been HR, the people team hadn't been positioned in a way where they had had much of a voice. So to come forward and, you know, a lot for myself and for other members of my team that putting ourselves out in front of that. So these weren't, you know, communications that were just coming from a empty mailbox, like they were coming from me, or they were coming from the leadership team. I think that personal, personalized approach to it um, made a big difference. And similarly, with, with, um, you know, following George Floyd's murder, and, you know, we put together a people strategy through that, of course, there was a diversity, equity, and inclusion component, 
for the year 2020, what we had planned was to have an unconscious bias training session. I think it was like in third quarter or fourth quarter, but we didn't have a stated plan or strategy. So when that transpired, uh, you know, we needed to pull that forward immediately and also with urgency and, and have a voice around that as an organization that felt authentic and really wasn't just a reaction because we felt like we had to. Um, and those were probably some of the most compelling conversations I've had in my life, much less my career mm. through that time. Um, you know, we put communications out again with, you know, the same kind of sentiment, how we authored them and um, expressed them. And, and it was, again, more kind of from the heart. It wasn't like we had this great strategy to stand behind to say, these are all the things that we're doing. Like we were in process of, of establishing that. And, you know, people, it was a really raw time mm. and people had different reactions to some of what we put out there and had doubts about it. And I had one-on-one conversations with everybody that responded back to that and either in criticism of it or in support of it. And we established a diversity, equity, and inclusion committee at that time. And it was, again, back to the no budget thing. It really was just by sheer interest and passion and intent to, you know, want to do the right thing and make sure that we uh, kind of established something that would be meaningful to the colleagues of our organization, as well as, um, as well as to the business. What were some of the things that you, that the diversity, equity, and inclusion committee came up with like specifics. Yeah. I mean, you know, the, the, you know, we quickly got a group of people together again, just put it out to the whole organization, whoever wants to be a part of this. It was, you know, that kind of um, approach. And, you know, we defined, you know, the mission, the pillars of the, we call the pillars of the committee that we um, wanted to focus on. Uh, We focused on um, four pillars. One was business processes Another was leadership, another um, was culture and awareness, and another was colleague resource groups or employee resource groups. We didn't have any of that. So we did establish um, three colleague resource groups um, that have you know, done a ton of great work over the past couple of years. Um, we put together um, diff- different processes for talent acquisition and for vendor selection, actually. Those are the two business processes that we knew that we could lean into and, you know, make some changes, you know, kind of immediately. Uh, We established a communication calendar, uh, again, around the culture and awareness. Um, And, you know, one of the best things that came out of the, of those were um, these ask me anything sessions, again, just, you know, for our um, black and African ancestry colleague resource group, they started it had an ask me anything session, had people submit questions ahead of time, had a a panel of, you know, representative um, team members, uh, you know, join. So questions were put forward ahead and, and, you know, some of them were, you know, really raw and, um, but it was a really fantastic and open forum. Nothing was scripted. It was literally just a Zoom meeting. And, you know, the ask me anything was because we really just like just put it out there. We're just trying to have these conversations and engage with one another, as opposed to, like I said earlier, a big program. And they have been some of the best sessions that we've had as an organization. We did one um, in celebration of Pride Month this year for the LGBT community. And, um, 
women's uh, our women's colleague resource group um, had a mixed panel for that and you know they're they're again just these forums people they just want to engage and they want to see what their leaders think about these topics that are important and um you know more than just you know kind of a program that we're you know that we're rolling out we just try to have a great and compelling conversation um, that feels authentic. Ask me anything. I'm obsessed. I love that. <laughs> you can come to the next one. <laughs> can well, I? Sure. Yes. Our listeners are sitting here saying, probably having the same reaction Holly and I did. Like, that sounds so cool. So I do just want to ask you a couple more detailed questions about yeah, that. Please. If I heard you correctly, you said people submit the questions ahead of time. Yep. And then, uh, and then the panelists, do, do they answer all of the questions? Do they yeah. pick what questions they're going to answer? Sure. Like, so the that? questions, we get some questions ahead of time and encourage mm-hmm. questions throughout. There's a facilitator, um, mm-hmm. which is a conversation. There's a facilitator who um, has the questions. They share them with the panelists ahead of time. So they're just ready. Again, our direction is this isn't anything to overly prepare for. Just, you know, show up and, you know, kind of, speak your mind and self. And and so there's not a ton of prep that goes into it, but the facilitator role is important because you kind of want to carry the, you know, thread the conversation through and make sure that you're connecting dots to some of the questions that have come through ahead of time. And then even, you know, in some cases we have other questions, the facilitator um, either is is ready to ask and then also, um, you know, kind of directs the questions that come in through the chat and, and otherwise. And actually we, through the chat and even live. So we um, we kind of opened it up to the to the whole of the organization. Each of them have had, you know, different levels of attendance. And then we record the sessions so that we can post and share them with folks that aren't able to uh, to join live. Very simple. I mean, it's literally like scheduling a Zoom meeting and having somebody ready to like lead the call. Um, not more prep than that. And what type of feedback have you gotten from people that have attended? Like, what are people walking away with from these sessions? Yeah, I mean, each one is different, right? Um, you know, I think often, you know, we get messages that are just, you know, thank you. I'm like so proud to work for an organization that will have these real kind of conversations. Um, a lot of appreciation. It literally gives me chills as I say it. A lot of appreciation and thanks for the panelists. Like they in particular will get because they're being very, very vulnerable. And if you think about it, you have to have a space where those panels feel like they can be vulnerable and not feel like there's going to be any, you know, reaction to that, or, you know, that takes a ton of courage. And so getting those few folks that are fearless in that way and are so, you know, passionate about what their experience has been that they want to share it in whatever way they can um, has been really uh, key. And, and our CEO and, you know, others on the leadership team, like their presence in it is really meaningful. Um, mm-hmm. Our CEO was actually, we didn't ask me anything for the Women's Colleague Resource Group. And this one was earlier this year, or it was a more recent one, but um, his, he was one of the panelists. So it was him and then a few of our female executives and, you know, just his engagement in that. And again, like not scripted, very raw, you know, just telling some of his own experiences, how he views it, that, you you know, you can't even put a price to what that does from an engagement perspective for people to feel a sense of pride, um, pride with, you know, with all of the things that are 
so difficult in the world and the headlines and you know all these impressions that we get to be in an organization and you might not be seeing people live you know we're still really I'm a, you know more heavily weighted towards remote work but um you know those things are so so meaningful and create more of a connection and a bond than you know walking down a hallway and you know having a quick chat with somebody at the water cooler kind of a thing so really you know I, this is um this is like mind blowing in 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 the way that um my my mind is thinking right now it, the Gartner group has put out you know a whole list of concerns of you know HR concerns people concerns and one is around um connecting and teaching empathy and etc and it, it's like this was it's like you guys had um, like a, a crystal ball almost in that you've already done this and there's so much to learn from that. Um, you know, it, 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 it's how do you, you know, how do you keep that going? How do you mm -hmm. um, sort of bottle this so that it doesn't sort of be taken for granted, if you will? Yeah, it's a really great challenge mm -hmm. and it's a real one. <laughs> you know, it's um and again, you know, Margaret, you're saying at the at the top of this, you know, just kind of that moment of reflection. Every year in any business is gonna, you know, and reflection gonna have kind of its story. I'm obviously talking about some of the things that started early in 2020 because of the pandemic, you know, and other uh, events that were happening, but you know, they play forward, the strategy plays forward. I mean, we, I, our people strategy, the way that it's stated, I mean, I verbalize it all the time. I don't let people forget like why we have the focus that we do. You know, our intent is that our, we want to be a high performing team. So our colleagues and our clients choose us time and again, mm -hmm. period, the end. The colleagues we serve, the clients we serve, and very intentional that we talk about the colleagues first. And we have, you know, a strategy that supports that, right? And and it's like seven times seven ways or 7,000 times 7,000 ways, like as many times as we can remind the organization that this is why we do this, this is why our values are important. Um, but you do need to kind of keep... Um, like fresh eyes to it because things can get stale. And when it's not the most urgent business issue, like it was in 2020, it's easy for, you know, some of the energy around it to pale in comparison to other things that you're trying to work on. We're, you know, obviously we're talking about our 2023 strategies and we were talking about our values. And one of my um, direct reports just got married. So we're having this whole conversation. I'm like, it's like we need to do a renewal of our vows with our values. <laughs> so, you know, our focus. So we're, we have a whole, we're almost doing a renewal of that. So it's been three years. How are we doing? And even just trying to kind of push ourselves to elevate our focus on it and not to kind of rest on our laurels and think, oh, we already got that because you never do. You can lose it in an instant. You can lose an organization's or an individual's trust in one moment. And so you have to kind of stay on your toes with it, you know, really, and keep it at the forefront and don't let people forget. Don't let the leaders expect what their expectations are and don't let the organization, the colleagues, the team members um, think for a second that it's still not top of mind. 
You know, I, I, I read something this morning on LinkedIn and it's kind of gone viral. So I'm not sure if either of you have seen it. And I, God, I can't remember the name of the company began with a V, but um, what they spoke, what they were um, talking about was, you know, we're, my daughter asked me the other day, mom, are we going to go in another pandemic? And, you know, I was like, well, we hope not. there's some really good chances we're going to be, you know, masking up again, et cetera, et cetera. Um, And with the triple threat of the flu and Mm -hmm. uh, COVID coming back and RSV and kids, you know, um, this company, I, uh, what, what I read that, so so what's getting really hard hit are families at this time. And so they've started a, like, um, Two of the things that I remember, the first one is um, a DoorDash. So when your kids get sick, they provide you with DoorDash vouchers to get, bring food in, you know, for the other kids, because obviously someone's taking care of a child and they're, they're sick. And um, another part of it was um, an employee resource group with their own Slack channel for parents to sort of share, like, what are you doing? How are you doing this? And, you know, I thought that that was, you know, we can fatigue on having to keep Mm -hmm. providing. I thought that that was a really interesting reminder that we are still sort of in the cycle. And to your point, a reminder of how to um, ensure that we are maintaining our focus. Yeah. Um, you know, it's interesting. I, th- I don't know. It's I don't think it's the same article, but I I've read a couple about this, uh, like a focus on caregivers, and the kind of stress and pressure of families and and caregiver and and so in so many ways, um, we have a lot. We've gotten a lot of feedback um, around mental health resources and an ask for mental health resources. That, like people are having a really hard time, you know, finding therapists for themselves, for their children, for family members. Um, you know, our insure, our benefit coverage and insurance, you know, we have an EAP um, program and we also, you know, have um, benefits around mental health. But, you know, again, just kind of working with the funds that we have in some of, and we're self-insured, some of the, um, we were, we really started to, we couldn't just say, okay, well, I mean, the organization was asking for help with this. So, you know, the team went away, we found a great provider that has more of a focus on wellness and offers additional mental health services. Mm -hmm. Um, And we figured out a way by, you know, looking into our, you know, our claims data, you know, from the past two years around mental health services you know, assuming that we'd make, you know, have some savings there. Anyway, we worked through it and, and think that it's actually going to um, be, be a savings for us in the long run, but we brought in a new provider. Um, you know, that's obviously there's a fee associated with it, but it's, and it's an example of kind of what you're talking about. Like we just, we have to stay creative. We have to look at things. We can't just say like, okay, you know, we all have to go and ask finance for, you know, resources and support sometimes, but you know, get creative. There's ways to, you know, work with what you already have, if you have anything at all, across the board, whether it's communication, engagement, some of the diversity, equity, and inclusion things I shared that are free, or, you know, looking at something like 
we did with mental health services and figuring out a way that we can bring in a more robust support that's more than just what they'd get by, you know, trying to find a therapist and going up and it's more holistic. So um, yeah, it's, you know, it's, it, I think it's going to evolve. I really hope it's not another pandemic, but I, I, it feels to me the ripple effect of the pandemic. We're still in big waves from it. And I, I don't, I don't see those, I don't see that settling the pond down, um, you know, anytime, anytime soon. I think it'll be, you know, quite some time with it. We'll still be dealing with, you know, kind of the after effect of that and on many levels, um, social, economic, you know, you can name it. Mm -hmm. So Becky, I love your, your commitment and your focus to putting the people first and not losing sight of it yourself and not allowing your organization to lose sight of it. And I, I'm sure that's a true testament to why you've been able to do the things that you've been able to do. So that's, that's awesome. Um, one of the questions Holly and I always love to ask is um, what's a belief that you held at the beginning of your career that's changed for you? That's changed. I think it all centers around confidence. Mm -hmm. So early in my career, my belief was I didn't belong at the table. If I'm like really candid, like I can put myself in a number of positions like dating back, you know, a decade and more. And I just was always sitting at the table feeling like I wasn't supposed to be there. I didn't have anything to say that anyone would want to have. I would never, you know, kind of put my, put my voice out there. I, you know, was very reserved in, you know, sharing my thoughts and my opinions. Um, and that, belief has changed and it's more, it's not so much, you know, va-voom, I'm all of a sudden this like fantastic. <laughs> it's just that, you know, the, I, if I could go back to myself at those points in time and somehow have gotten, you know, my more like insecure self to just put those thoughts on that they were there. My thoughts then were there too. They really like, that hasn't really changed. Um, I would have, I would do anything to do that because it one would have felt a lot more comfortable than, you know, the pain I put myself through, um, you know, but two, it just would have felt like I could be, you know, my natural self. And there, you know, I think if there's anything you can do, it's like, try to find an organization, a place, a team, a person where, you know, that you can be your authentic self. And then, you know, you're kind of on the right path. Um, and it just, it took me too long to get there in my earlier career. It took me, I thought I had to be somebody else for a very long time. Um, and I just, I actually tell this story sometimes. So I worked my early career, I worked in consulting. Uh, I worked for Accenture and my, again, I had to be professional Becky, not, you know, personal Becky that you now everything that happens outside the four walls of work. So when I worked for Accenture, I was Rebecca Smith at the time, but I was Rebecca Smith. And nobody called me Rebecca, like nobody did. My dad, maybe when he was upset with me when I was younger, but like nobody <laughs> called me Rebecca, but I was Rebecca and everybody at work called me Rebecca because that was my professional persona. And I was going to be Rebecca Smith. And I remember when I was changing jobs and I left Accenture, I was starting to work at QVC. I had this panic moment, um, actually in the shower, week or two before I was joining, whatever it was. I was like, oh my gosh, my email address cannot be Rebecca. 
because then they're not going to call me Becky. And so I remember running downstairs and firing off an email, you know, wanting to like begging and pleading, can my email address please be Becky? Like, I know I want to be myself at work. Um, And there's just other, you know, little, that's a funny story, but there's, you know, other moments along the way where you kind of get closer and closer to just being yourself um, completely. And um, yeah, and I would say that that's, was a significant and evolving change from the start of my career to now. And what a now gift. I just go gamble with Holly sometimes. Yeah, right. <laughs> Did we even talk about that? Let's <laughs> talk about that. It's truly really a gift to be able to be yourself at work. Yeah, you know, yeah, I mean, to, we know we bring our whole selves, but to really be bring our authentic selves and just yeah. to be able to be it's everything. It's everything. And I'm sure that's showing up in how you're leading. Right. And how, and what you're doing for the organization. And and that's a huge part of it. So that's awesome. Thank you. Becky, thank you so much for your time. You have, I filled a complete two-sided piece of paper with little (laughs) notations and notes and, um, well, you know, we can talk anytime. So, you know, I, and I will <laughs> trust me, trust me. I will. Thank you so much. I think we've got some great information for, um, our listeners and, um, all the best to you in Thank 2023. You. Thank you. Thank you both. Uh, I hope you thanks, have a wonderful Becky. holiday. Great. Bye. Thank you. Okay. Thanks. Bye Becky. Thank you for listening. We hope you got a ton of value out of this episode. Before we go, we want to thank the sponsor of our show, the Mid-Atlantic Employers Association, more commonly referred to as MEA. MEA provides human resources services to hundreds of businesses across numerous industries every day, bridging gaps that restrain innovation and growth. If you need support around people issues, reach out to meainfo.org. Better people, better outcomes.